Jesus' name. Guys, you can grab your seats. We're going to go straight into the Word. Right. They, they, they can continue so long here, um, praying and so on. Um, yeah, uh, last week when, um, when, when we came for the it was our first Sunday back, and uh, um, the comment afterwards was, yes, it felt like, uh, it felt like springtime, you know. It felt like uh, there's, this subtle, there's the subtle joys and obviously there's, there's a ripeness of couples popping out everywhere. And um, just uh, it, was this happy, it was this happy feel all around, you know. And uh, Naku, Naku said, it's the thing with spring, you know, there's, a, there's this springtime, but then there's this, uh, I don't know, there's this, there's this temptation that you can almost uh, lose your vigilance, you know, and little things just pop in and creep in. And uh, um, yeah, it does feel a little bit different than spring today, you know. <laughs> So, and, and, and of course, you know, our whole lives is not defined by a meeting, right? Um, sometimes meetings are heavy and sometimes meetings are light again. But actually, what's, what is the state of our heart? That, that's the point, you know, what, what is the conditions of our hearts? Where is heaviness um, creeping in? And um, we, had a, um, we had a word last week that Linky gave um, of a worry of depression and that people would... Um, there's somebody in the room that would, there's a temptation of suicide, right? That person, I know at least of one person that came out afterwards and asked us to pray and stand with them for that. But uh, in this week, in this week, there's, um, in the university, someone committed suicide uh, amongst the students. And as I understood, this is not the first time. It's, it's been, it's been, it's been quite a number of occasions of suicide on campus, Right? And it's a, uh, it does seem, you know, it does seem that there is a little bit of a heaviness just over the town. You just hear, uh, um, I spoke, where's Melissa? Melissa's working with the, with the students. But just uh, uh, um, the amount of real mental sickness and depression that is in this town is just crazy. It's just as if, you know, there's such a pressure in this town to be something. <laughs> and there's just this thing of cracking in it. Um, so I wonder, you know, um, if we can just, I know we've prayed for it a little bit, but I wonder if we can just have one or two prayers and just ask for God at least an hour much, you know, that that thing will be broken, that it will not find its way in any place here. But let's pray for our town, you know. Um, God will pluck people out of the despair of depression to the extent of suicide. Jeez, right. So... Uh, Melissa, can you pray for us? Sure. Father God, Lord, we come to you, Lord, and yes, we just realize how dependent we are on you. And Father God, the spirit of loneliness that is in this town. Um, the spirit of isolation and just, yeah, I was, I'm um, sorry, this is not part of the prayer, but yeah, in this week I've had two dreams where one morning I, I woke up and I was singing, um, just, it's not like who you say I am, um, and last night again I had a dream where I woke up, um, I didn't actually wake up from the dream, but I woke up in the dream and I was just shouting, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I could actually see something in the dream. And, yeah, just the oppression that, that there is there. And, yeah, Father God, Lord, we just come and pray for this town, Lord. We pray for a revival, Lord, because you're the only one that can really bring healing. Father God, the spirit of anxiety and of depression that weighs so heavily among us. Lord, we just come and shine your light, Lord. We pray for, for real and honest breakthrough. 
Lord, we pray for that you will just come and highlight and you will show the roots of where these things come from, Lord. And, and I pray for that we can stand together and we can stand strong and we can intercede for one another and intercede for those people that we can be around. And oh Lord, and also in this town where you've called us to be your hands and your feet, Lord, give us the ability to love these people well, to have grace for these people and just to really just shine out who you are. Lord, come and fill us up in our own weakness and where we feel empty, Lord. And Oh, Father God, may we be full, so filled with your Holy Spirit that we just overflow. But yes, Father God, we just, in oh, the residences, Lord, we pray for revival. Lord. We, yeah, Father, I didn't even know, Lord, but you are the worker of miracles. Oh, I just pray, Lord, that you just reach in with your hand, Lord. Just, just come and touch these people. Father, thank you, Lord, that you are a good Father and that it is your heart. For this to happen, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the wisdom and just the insight and just come and equip us to do whatever it is that you need us to do and just make us so sensitive to your spirit, Lord, that that in those moments, Lord, when we have these opportunities to speak to these people, Father, that, yes, Lord, that they'll have encounters with you. Amen. So I just want to say from our side, just to understand where we are as a people. So for us... Uh, whenever we feel depressed, right, or we struggle with depression, as a Christian community, we see one of the most powerful things about and how to deal with it is to come into the light. And so as a community, we, will, we, we do not um, frown in any way upon people that struggle with that, right? In fact, if you know our history, there has been people that's been set free, but one of the most powerful things in their freedom was to come into the light and say, I'm struggling with it. And we know in the church, you know, depression has sometimes been almost really been frowned upon uh, and, and something that people have feel safer not to, not to come out in the light with, right? But that's not going to be like that in our midst. There's a freedom to come out of it and, and, and just see people come free, see people stand with you in, in this regard, all right? Um, then one more thing before I start. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, um, there's a couple of us that's going to Russia in beginning of September. <laughs> and um, I actually, I, two guys has put up their hand that feel that they need to go, but finances is a difficulty, right? So it is, it is Warren and Yuck, right? Uh, don't you guys want to just quickly st stand, just quickly? Sure. Yuck is a little bit harder for you. <laughs> it's not his, if you were wondering. <laughs> we don't call him Abram. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I want to throw it out here um, that if any of you just have on your heart to, um, to, to bless them or to sow into them going to Russia. If you, I'm, I'm just, if, you, if you have that feel or sense that you want to you sow into them going to Russia, you can, if you, want, if you feel specifically for one of them, you can just go and speak to them if, if you feel uh, comfortable with that. Or I will put an account on our general needs account that you can just pay in there. Just please sow Russia. Just clarify, please. Um, or just if you want to pledge or anything like that, just come and speak to me afterwards. Um, I think, look, it's going to be great for them to go to Russia. But really, I'm, I'm just looking at these two guys, and I mean, you, you see this. The, the, both of them resemble fathers like, uh, like few. And I tell you, the greatest need in Russia is fathers, right? And, and, and not only would, would they be a blessing for them to go, but I think it'll be a really blessing for the church of these guys can go. So let's see. Let's trust God and, uh, to make a way. All right. Um, so then today, it's, it's one of those, those, those messages today that um, I don't want to say, uh, uh, as, as someone that's new with us, hopefully I trust that somehow you might get something of, of who, we, who we are. Um, and I, I hope that for some of us that's been with us for a while, some of the things of just the way that we go about will be, will be, will be clarified today um, even more. Um, so, in this, on, on this uh, rainy, heavy Sunday, all right, one of the things that they would say, you know, how to get your crowd, 
is, you know, tell a joke. <laughs> it's a high risk, though. You tell a joke and it doesn't work, then you mess, you, 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 you're gone for the whole preach, right? And so probably the most wrong thing that you can give to them is a, is a bunch of boring facts, all right? I'm going to risk it now, okay? And I'm going to give you guys a couple of boring facts to give a little bit of context. I'm going to give a, a three-minute church history class, okay? I know from a Rick it works. I've got my customers. So when I see everybody fades away, I will look at her face and the smile will make me feel better, all right? So here's, here's the thing. So in, the, in the, the, the church, as we would know, most of us would look at the first century church where we get our book of Acts. It's where the epistles come from. And we would still have them as some sort of reference of how the church should look like, right? But obviously the church is today not looking like that. And, and the reason is pretty soon after these first century Christians the church started falling in all kinds of little decays. First, it was just little, little things, little seeds that dropped into the car, right? Little dust that was around that, that wasn't swept away that just slowly but surely caused the church to be, um, to be defiled and not the purity that it once had. And then, here we go, there's a date, and 313, <laughs> the state and the church became very much one. There was a church at that time called the Catholic Church, which in other words means Catholic means universal. It was the universal church. But then when the Romans took them over, it became the Roman Catholic Church, right, in, in, um, in, three, in 313. And then what happened was pretty much this institution then became the most powerful institution in the world, right? They, um, they ruled nations, the highest authority in them became more powerful than, than Caesars, than Tsars, than kings, and they became a very, very powerful organization. The problem was the church of decayed at that state to such an extent that there was no Jesus in it anymore. And it was so bad, well, it, it, it was so bad that even though it was the most powerful organization in the world, it would be probably, and I'm, I think I'm safe to say, less than 1% would be considered by Jesus as followers of him, right? As true born-again people. And so much of the doctrines that we would say is foundational and ever, is, is, uh, essential for us was completely wiped away. Then, 1517, a man called Martin Luther stood up, and one of the most basic truths to Christianity he restored. He says, no, we are not saved by a bunch of works, by a bunch of rituals, by a bunch of prayers, by a bunch of stuff. We are saved by faith through Jesus Christ. And that was such a powerful truth that many that stood for that truth died for it. And uh, such a powerful truth that for the first time we find a schism away from this great institution and a movement started which was called the Protestant. Now, here we start going fast forward now, right? And so, even though it was a great truth, much of the other truth that we still see in the Bible was not quite discovered. It was taught, but it was not embraced by the body of Christ. And so in the next 100 to 200 years, people started realizing, well, more than that, we are just saved and can go to heaven. Jesus has done a work so that we can walk holy and pure before him. And there was holiness movements and puritans movements that was focusing on the fact that we can be holy and pure before the Lord. Right. And in the process, one of the truths that also came out was baptism. Right. Up till that, that time, for a large period of time, people still would believe in infant baptism. I like the English word for infant baptism, christianing. It's like you make him Christian very young. But we understand <laughs> that Christianing or becoming born again is the only way. Faith in Jesus Christ is how we become a child of God. And so believer's baptism started being restored for the church. Every time one of these truths are restored, one side stay behind, the other side move on. Every time a truth is restored, people suffer greatly to bring about this truth. If the, the, initial, the initial truths was radical, dramatic. Didn't believe in salvation, believe in salvation. Um, and the gaps between them were far. As further down we get into church history, as closer to our age, the changes become less dramatic, but it's quicker. It's like a testimony of our time. 
And then in the beginning of the 19th century, in America, a place called Azusa Street, the power of the Holy Spirit broke out, right? And up till that time, what we would say today, a baptism of the Holy Spirit or uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit did not exist. For the first time, the church started speaking in tongues, right? And the gift of tongues was restored to the church. Now, in, in the next period of time, in, that, in the first 50 years of the previous uh, um, century, then what would happen with that is a great and a lot of other gifts and stuff that would be restored to the church. You had healings, you had power ministries, and all kinds of things that was not part of the church for a very, very long time. In the 1950s, there came a move of what we will call today evangelists that had great power and they were, you know, they were known of large crowds that they will get in and preach the gospel and many will get saved. And so this power evangelistic gifting started moving together. In the 60s, you had a, um, you had a bunch of teachers that rose up for the first time. And uh, there was a great teacher's movement that, that, that came up, especially in America. In the 70s, there was a movement that from this teacher's movement that was asking one another the question, who is looking out after your soul? And so the buzz line in every church in the 70s is, who's looking after your soul? And something happened, which we would call today accountability, right? And it was like a pastoral movement that broke out in the 70s. It got a little bit controlling as every new move of God initially gets seriously messed up initially, and then it gets kind of refined and actually walked in it because it beca you know, just becomes so controlling. They structured the who's looking after your soul so bad that uh, um, the relationship side and the life side of that fall away. In the 80s, in the 80s, um, in the 80s, there was a, a large amount of prophets that stood up for the first time. And even though prophecy was always around, there was a different type of gift that we see people arose and stood up. And in the 90s, um, as early as very recently, um, the a restoration of the understanding, and I, I call it of, of the apostle arose. And what is the role of the apostle and where does it, where does it fit in? And initially, again, like all kind of strange moves and, 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 and funny things, the initial start or set off of it, you know, was, was weird and, and you had lots of control and lots of wrong things. But it didn't mean it was wrong. It was just an outplay of this truth finding itself in and amongst us, right? Now, we are, we are still on this journey. And every generation has this thing that they think they stand on the pinnacle of the mountaintop, right? It's like even in the 1500s, finally we restored the ultimate truth to the church, justification by faith. Boom, we are here, we are here. And then the next group of people come. And they discover certain truths, and they start walking in certain truths. And they we are here, we are here. They are quite miffed if someone else get better revelation than them. They don't want to really move with them, and so that's the tendency. And every generation kind of in their day finds certain revelation, finds certain truth that they stand on. And so uh, I don't know when the pinnacle would be. I don't know where it is. I know the trap of looking back in 500 years' history of making the mistake of saying, we've got it is the biggest mistake that you make and is the one that caused you to stay right there and not move on with God, what God is, is having. Now, on the, on the apostolic and, and, and what the role of the apostle is, um, I, 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 don't want to, I don't want to say too much on, um, I don't want to say too much on trying to clarify whether there should be still modern day apostles. Otherwise, that's going to take quite long. I'm going to go a little bit and I'm, I'm, I'm risking out here. I know with the Josh Jen guys, at least if you're part of us, you would have that assumption. But for those of us not, I'm going to go a little bit out today with the assumption that you believe the Bible is true and that you believe that apostles still exist today, all right? I'm going to go with that assumption. But in, in, in our time then with the understanding that apostles actually exist, it's interesting if you would read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, if you ever want to go there. Large parts, and I will touch a little bit on that. Large parts of that letter. Sorry, I must maybe speak to this group as well. <laughs> All right. Hi, guys. <laughs> large parts, large parts of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians is Paul 
clarifying his role to the congregation. He firstly wants to say, look, just to clarify, I am an apostle to you. Like, how can you say that? Well, and he, and he gives certain points why he can say that. And then he says, if you would understand and believe that I'm an apostle, then I will help you understand this is the way that you should receive me and this is the way that it should function. If you would read again 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you will find large part is Paul's battle in regards to that. And in fact, many of the letters that undertone is to fight that battle. Now, I'll quickly say the, the teacher, the pastor, evangelist, and prophet, and apostle, that's five gifts that says in Ephesians 4, 10 and 11, that Jesus has given to the church. And it's interesting, they've, they've kind of, in order, well, not quite in order, evangelist was first. Evangelist is a little bit front up, but they, they got restored to the church. And every time one of them is restored, an emphasis on one of these are being placed. So even today in this town and in every area, you will see certain churches that's founded on one of these gifts. All right? A teacher gift that found a church looks like this. Sunday is a lecture hall. Wednesday is a Bible study. All right? Sunday is a lecture, lecture hall, and Wednesday is a Bible study. The key ingredient is you have your Bible, your notepad, and your well, your iPad and your pen, right? It's usually very much informational, the way that it's teach. A teacher usually in his, in his, his, his good informational, it's usually can be quite large, the congregation, but it's built around the grace of a teacher to teach people. And teachers are usually, even though they're very good informative, they're very bad activators many times, right? So they teach well, but they feel very welcome of the student lecture concept in the way that they do, right? How does it look when a pastor builds a church? Pastor, when a pastor builds a church, the church is usually fairly small. It usually has this ability to, to, to draw broken people to it. And people feel, again, very welcome that there's an hospital feel with it. We're going to look and speak about your issue. And next week, we'll do it again. <laughs> And if you don't mind, I don't care, we'll do it again, and again, and again. And so a large part is built around the brokenness of people. But very seldom you find an ability to see people again step into destiny. And you see very seldom an ability for people to go into more and to reach the lost. What happens when an evangelist plants a church? When an evangelist plants a church, the church is very event-orientated right? Cameras, lights, and action. It's appealing. It's nice. It's so nice to go there. They are able to reach so wide. They run on energy. They run on vibe. But when the music fades, <laughs> it's wide, but not necessarily very deep. So they're known for their wideness, and not necessarily for their depth. Where does it look when a prophet plants a church? Well, when a prophet plants a church, you would usually have strong worship, strong intercession, <laughs> worship, intercession, uh, and, and those type of things are, are very prevalent. And it's built around those type of things. But what you many times see is there's such an emphasis on uh, uh, the mystical, very times, mysti very, there's such an such a emphasis, obviously, on what God is saying. But metaphorically, there's so much metaphor, there's so much mystic that you're just like, okay, so how's this going to change the way that we walk? It's like, God is bringing a new song to our town. I just want to know, what's the lyrics of that song? <laughs> <laughs> Help me sing it, you know. No, it's in the heavens. It's in the airs. The angels are singing it about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going along. Can't you feel it? There's a new song. And I'm like, you know, it will be helpful, you know, if someone can give us the words and we can sing it together with the heavens, right? And so even though it's very, it's, it's a, a futuristic in its approach and mystical and spiritual in its approach, it many times lacked the ability to ground and to, to walk on the ground and walk things out. 
Now, ideally, as I would understand it, is yes, we need all of these gifts very strongly that I just mentioned. But if they are in the pinnacle, we will find the extremes that I just mentioned, right? And so what many times the apostolicus can do is, and, and, and I, it's not, it's not doctrine and it's not scripture here, but I, I usually say, if this is the fivefold ministry, this is the teacher, this is the punky, he can go the deepest in the ear, right? The ring finger is the pastor, it's the, it's the weak finger, and he looks out for the weak. The evangelist reaches the furthest. The prophet directs, and the apostle can many times do both, and are able to play both in a, uh, all of them in a, in a, in a certain, in a certain sec- section, is able to play balance. Now, all right, now, Paul, Paul comes in, in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, let's look at, look at this verse, it says, for if you have to have countless tutors in Christ, so most of your translation says, even though you have 10,000 teachers, right? Even though you have countless tutors or, or, or thousands of teachers in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel, right? And so again, Paul is saying that there are certain ministry tendencies out there. Paul comes into the, the, the church of Corinth, all right? He preached the gospel and a bunch of people get saved there. But then for a number of years, he labors and builds around them to see the foundations of their faith being together. Then he sits and finds ways how they can function together and how the gifts can operate and so that the body knows how to build itself up. He leaves. He doesn't have WhatsApp. He doesn't have phones. He doesn't have email. He, he has a donkey. All right, if he's lucky. And so he's not going to see them for a couple of years. In the meanwhile, okay, some teachers and some people will come in town. You know how it is when a guest speaker comes to town, right? It's nice to have a guest speaker come to town. It's nice to to be the guest speaker. (laughs) The novelty is still very much there. It's not faded away, right? It's not like your dad that you've seen in every way and in every circumstance and every situation. You know, you've seen him in his nice clothes and he's not so nice clothes. You've seen him in every way. You've seen him when he was slick and you've seen him when he's not been slick. You've seen him everywhere, right? And so these type of teacher teachers or, or guest speakers will roam in, in Corinth. They'll gather the churches and give this great speeches with, with great oratorical skills and so on. By the way, Paul complains that Paul was a bad preacher, right? One of the things that the Corinthians complained about Paul is he's a great writer, but when he speaks, we all want to fall asleep, you know? He was not a good speaker. And so here these flashy good speakers come into town, and they, you know, give their hot message for the week, or, and they just, they're just off again. I want to say, you know, in our day, the temptation of 10,000 teachers and not many fathers is more rife than ever. You go just to YouTube. They don't even have to come to your town. You just go to YouTube. You can have a widespread of any amount of teachers, right? If you want things on prayer, you go Mike Bickle. If you want things of the glory, you go Bill Johnson. If you want to have a good teacher, you get to Timothy Keller. If you want... Something to fire you up, you go to Francis Chan. Yeah, I mean, you, if you want someone to condemn you, you get, uh, what's that, uh, uh, reformer, that, that, uh, Paul Washer, yeah, 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 right? If you want to feel bad about yourself, Paul Washer, if you just, uh, and uh, um, so, 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 so these, these guys, but of course, you know, they have no, no regard of this group of people here. They have no regard of the needs and of the function here. And Paul says the problem is that there is a tendency of, ten, of teachers just coming and just the, the church latching on to, to, these little, uh, to these teachers and the neglecting of the fathers. That intends to build. 
And really the two differences that Paul is making here, and I want to say this is the two main approaches in the way that we minister, is the difference between blessing and the difference between building. Now, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10, now quickly, uh, verse 8, I think. Né? He says, For if you were to have, oh, for even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be put ashamed. He says, God has given me a certain authority to build you up. I'm in essence not just a guest speaker. I am committed to see you guys build up in the way that the Lord Jesus wants you guys to be built. And the tendency is then to build. So one of my challenges if, in, in going to Russia is the lack, and I'm, I'm saying it's really a lack of the apostolic in the town, but it's the lack of that type of fathering or the lack of a building mentality in the church. And because there is that, the church are being thrown to and fro every, every week. So they're very much conference type of people. They're very much into countless teachers. And so what happens in Moscow, where all the great guys goes to, is on Friday, you have Bill Johnson coming in and the Bethel guys. That Sunday, everybody is preaching by the glory. Everybody is seeing gold dust and everybody is falling over. And that is the pinnacle of Christianity. Next week, Mike Bickle comes in the church And he teaches people on 24-hour prayer. Then everybody forgets the glory and the gold dust. And everybody, the whole church goes. And they just want to have prayer houses and, and pray forever. The next week, Francis Chance come in. And, you know, it's like, stop this glory stuff. Stop this praying stuff. We need to go out and reach the world. Right? And it's just like they swayed here and it's everywhere. It's, it's different when, there is, when there's an apostolic ministry. Right? The goal becomes clear. The house becomes clear in what they go, right? And even though there might be an emphasis on prayer, it doesn't swing the house all the way there. Even though there come an emphasis on miracles, it doesn't swing the house all the way. We know what we're called for. We know the fun. We know the purpose. We know the destiny. And we walk, you know, we, we walk accordingly, okay? Another thing that... that um, We, we, we going to Russia when um, I, in this week, I spoke to some guy that we're going to Russia. And uh, um, the word spread a little bit that we are coming. And there's a, there's a, a church in Russia. And I, I hope this approach helped make you guys understand in, in, in the way that we approach things. Is there's a church in Russia that I, I know them for 20 years. They're, they're the, the, the senior pastor send his children to us to be trained, and there's just a long connection with that family. It's quite an influential church. They used to be one of the most influential churches in Russia at some stage. They are large churches. They're a massive facility. And Russia, the church world is divided up in associations. And they, this church is the head of an association. And uh, the woman, the, the pastor's wife, phoned me um, And said, listen, uh, she'll organize a, a conference for us. We can just tell us what, what, we, um, what we want to speak about. And I know if I gave her the go-ahead, she will put the name out. And we will get a lot of people from a lot of different churches sitting that, sitting that venue. I don't know full, but there will be a lot of people, right? And, uh, um, but I know, even though I will preach, and even though I will be able to encourage some people, And even though there might be a few tears and all those type of things, people will come afterwards and say, you, yeah, 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 you South Africans, you blessed us, right? I know it will have very, very little lasting effect. And so I try to get away from that people as much as possible. Why? Because I know their hearts is not connected to us to be built up by us. They just want to be blessed. And so I know that God has joined us with certain people in that nation that says more than what you just come bless us, come and help us inside of what we're doing and help, help shift us to the way that you guys say. And vice versa. I mean, we're family. We, 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 are, we are committed to build together and, and how we can set this thing 
set this thing in place. And uh, um, the, the, here's, here's, here's another example, right? So Paul would say, Paul would say, as an apostle, God has given me certain influence of certain churches that is committed to be built up by me, right? I will not go further than what has been given to me. I'll just stick with that authority that God has given me, right? Now, there is, uh, say for instance in Stellenbosch, every now and then we do a pastor swap. It's beautiful, you know. We go preach some shofar and shofar come and preach with us. And the town loves it because it gives, an, it gives a feel of unity. And yes, it is a measure of unity. But I know that Sunday when I preach there, at best, I will bless them. There might be a, a tear or a smile and go like, wow, thank you. But I have no place to try and build there. I have no place to try and say, how can we work together to see this thing, to see this thing happening? And the same here, all right? And so I what I want to say, as the apostolic restored to the church, as the apostolic is restored to the church, the way of how ministry was approached many times of many people see how far they can bless, many people see how far they can, can, can uh, well, bless, versus where are God joining? Where are God joining us together? And mostly there's an apostolic grace that joins then to bless one another. Ah, to build. Oh, you guys were to, to, to build up one another. The second thing that the apostle does, and I also found that, is, is the apostle is able to say doctrine. Now, in Acts 2, it tells us that the early church gave themselves with passion. They gave themselves to the apostle's doctrine. I, I, I'm just... Uh, the. Uh, Two Tuesdays ago, I spoke at Equip for Life when I speak to the guys. I asked them, how do you choose your church? This is an interesting question quickly. How do you guys choose your church? How do you think most people choose their church? Look, I'm just saying to say, the Stellenbosch options is big. The food quarter is wide, right? If you want Chinese, if you want uh, healthy, if you, you can get this, the spread is wide. How do you choose which one you go to? Right? And there were some that were saying, I choose the church with the most correct doctrine. All right? Now, that's very well, but I, that, that, that might have a tendency to be very subjective. Right? And if you're going to be the, the, the choosing the church with the most correct doctrine, I'm telling you, you join that church, you will soon find something that's going to irk you. And you're going to feel then to go. So why did I join where I joined. Because Jesus has joined me. As the him this is the head joins different members and ligaments together. And I am, I am committed to this, not because I feel they have the most correct doctrine. By the way, I'm very blessed by the doctrine that is carried here. And I'm not trying to say that in any way we're actually flaky, but Jesus joined me here. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> But I'm saying the foundation of which I, why I'm here is because Jesus has joined me here, right? Jesus joined me here. And on that foundation I stay. And on that foundation, even though, even though I might not agree with everything, there's a higher principle for me that Jesus joined me here. Now here's the problem in the body today, in that everybody in the body feels the need to figure out doctrine. Everybody in themselves has become little apostles. And everybody has an opinion and a right to fight something. That was not at all the early church practice. The whole body did not feel the need to work out doctrine. They would understand that God has given in the church certain people that will set certain doctrines in place. And they would feel safe in that. Now, all of us are equal before God to get to know Him. All of us stand equal before God as worth. All of us stand equal before God to walk out our destiny. But not all are called to set our doctrine. Right? And so if there's a trust and a receiving of an apostolic grace and understanding that apostles said in doctrine, you see guys, just relax. Just trust. Just relax and just trust. 
And th- that's how they did it in the Bible. Now, it's an, it's an interesting thing in Acts, in Acts 15, after initially they set doctrine in place. Here the church finds a massive situation, right? For the first time, uncircumcised people get saved. Non-Jews get saved. And so the church is in a big debate here. Should they first get circumcised before they get baptized? Right? And so uh, in, in, this, in this tussle and in this fight of working it out, the apostles sometimes come together and said, we need to make a call on that. What is the line on it? And even though they heard the whole church, <laughs> the apostles ultimately stood together and said, okay, this is the line that we believe. We believe it's not needed for a man to be circumcised to get saved. We believe it's not necessary for people to keep the law to get saved. And they wrote the letter and they sent it to all the churches. And the whole church accepted. Now imagine in today's church, who is this guy to tell me? You think he's the only one that can interpret Scripture? And see, that's just not the way. That's just not the biblical way when there's an accepting of the apostle. But see, that, that, is, that is old matters. You know where I see apostles actually functioning quite well and where I'm blessed to see a house where the apostolic functions well. One of the things that was so interesting for me in the COVID times <laughs> was how the church was going all over the show. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in a fraternal with a bunch of with, with pastors, and I mean, everybody shares their, their worries and their cares and their difficulty with, with COVID. And the, the way to navigate Should we tell our people not to take the vaccine? Should we tell our people to take the vaccine? Was a massive issue for some of the guys. And what happened at the end is many was just quiet about it, right? Was unable to navigate their people through that. Another issue that hits, you know, issues that hits our time is stuff like in America, I'm a bit harsh on the Americans, but in America, there's a massive push from the church to nationalism and patriotism, right? They've lose sight of what Jesus wants to do. For them, it's make America great again, okay? <laughs> Which is not the eternal purpose of God, all right? All right? I tell you, I tell you, it has been able to pull the whole American, a large part of the American church on that train. The rest of the American cha- uh, train, church, is thrown through the, through the um, human rights train. And they've been pushed so much of what human rights bills are pushing, what CNN is pushing, and whatever else is pushing, that they are starting to accommodate, they are starting to accommodate certain things at the cost of the truths of God. And so the church has really been swayed here and too. And it's really become politicized. And just in these matters, to be able to have a voice of reason that God has graced certain people to go like, hey, whoa, 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 guys. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, here's the line. Here's the line. I know the whole church is swinging here and there. Here's the line. Here's the line. Here's the line. Here's the, here's, the, here's, the, here's the great thing that we were struggling with here, right? The different camps in here. The government says we are not allowed to worship, gather, because of the spread of COVID. What shall we do? <laughs> Thought you wanted to take me out here. <laughs> the one half of us said, look guys, for love and for the reason that we want to submit to the government, okay, we shouldn't meet. The other half says, this is persecution. This is pulling us. This is pulling us. This is just the beginning. This is pulling us into the thing. This is the Antichrist. Next thing is 666. You know, where are we going? And so, so the church was, there was two camps and where the church was going. And this pulled the church swinging here and there. And I, I'm just... Uh, um, being in meetings with pastors where we're trying to navigate this truth. How do we lead our people, right? 
And so I, I'm, in, in many of these meetings where I've been with Andrew and some of the apostolic council where it was, and this ability to pull the line of the time and hear the balance of where God is. So how many of you, just being part of us, have felt safe actually in that time, right? Have felt safe in that time while many of the church didn't, was just like, there was so much extremity, so much fear, so much... The church swung on two sides, right? There was, there was this fear of, of coming out and persecution and all these things. And in the name of love, let's just do nothing. And then on the other side, there was almost a spirit of rebellion that's been hovering in the church for so long. They've been miffed by the government for so long. But now in Jesus' name, you give me the opportunity to speak against you. And now I will tell the world how messed up you are, right? And it wasn't the spirit of God that was rising. It was more this rebellion... Um, protesting spirit that rise in the church, right? And both of them at extremities that didn't smell like God. But there was this, this awesome thing to be, to, to, to be an apostolic council where, 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 the, where the line is nicely fine. It's like, oh, that's right. That's where God is. That's the safety of where God is. And you can, you can fall into, into that line. Where would the Corinthian church be if there wasn't apostolic? Yenna. Right? Where would all the New Testament churches be today if it wasn't for the apostolic? All of them at some states need an apostolic minister to come in and to bring line and to bring, bring order. Right? Now, this is, guys, I know it's an informational day and I'm, I'm, I'm going here. I'm trying to put the energy high here. All right, so... Third thing, where's the encouraging? Thank you, Dan. Uh, I'm looking at Dan a little bit now. So, so, so the third, third thing, what, 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 what the apostolic, look, there's many things. I'm just, just picking some out. I'm, I won't do the many. I'll just do a few. So, so the third thing that Paul, Paul says, uh, maybe just let, let me just quickly read the verses. 2 Corinthians 10, I think verse 12 to 15. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. Paul speaking of these 10,000 teachers. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God appointed to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves if we did not reach to you. For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, the sphere that God is, that is in, in other men's labors, but within the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you. So Paul says, huh? sphere, sphere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I struggle with that one. All right, so, 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 so Paul, Paul says, I'm actually, you won't believe it, but I'm actually Afrikaans. So you thought I'm English, but I am. <laughs> My name is Carol. <laughs> so, Paul, focus. Paul, Paul says there's a certain swear that's been allotted to him with, with, with different churches in. What Paul later says to the Corinthians, he says, you know, I've robbed from some churches and gave it to you. And so what an apostle is able to do is because he's recognized, he's got a certain sphere amongst the uh, sphere, certain influence amongst the churches, I'm fine, uh, amongst the churches, he can... He can um, he can take from what is in one church and move to another church. For instance, if the church of Stellenbosch, if Andrew would come here and says, the church of Stellenbosch are doing financially well, right? But the church of Danun is struggling. We want to plant a church in Kaimandi. We want to plant a church in Kaimandi, right? God's still going to give that to us, right? But apostle can move between the churches and go like, there's some strength that this church has and there's some lacks that that church have, and move in between churches, finding the strengths, finding the lacks, and measuring each one out. Financially, you can do that. 
But he can also move between churches and say, this, this church has a very strong teaching gift. This church has a very weak teaching gift. And take certain resources and make it in the field and see that resources and strengths are, are equally distributed. So the whole church could be blessed. My last point. Ephesians 4 verse 11, 12 and 13 says, God has given to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the, are you quick? For the, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, uh, to, to the building up of the body of Christ. Just stop there. Just stop there. Now, the, 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 the function of a fivefold ministry and the, the function of the apostolic is to see that everyone, there's, a, there's an empowering for people to walk in destiny, right? Now, I want to tell you guys a story. I was, I was part of a, of a church before we joined Josh Jen. We, we, we started joining Josh Jen. And before I joined that uh, church, we had a, a Bible school, which is still existing today, TMT, um, which, which I was part of for a, for a long time. And uh, we, we trained a lot of guys. And we had a lot of guys that was gifted and, uh, and equipped and ready to be in, in the ministry. But somehow, you know, the church was kind of funny. It was, like a, it was like a fairly small pond with the fish that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it felt like if you would sit in our meetings, it, it, it almost, I mean, like in the spirit, it felt like you felt, you felt choked. It's like the, fish is too, the pond is too small for all this fish. And I remember, you know, as we, we had Andrew, which, you know, we would see as... The, the primary apostolic grace with us, when we were starting to, to feel God was moving us to join with them, Andrew once in a leaders meeting, it's the first time I saw him in that context minister. He walked into that meeting. He didn't say a word. He walked into the meeting, and just by him being in the meeting, in the leaders meeting, it literally felt like people went like this. There's space for me. I've never, I've never... I've never experienced that before. Now, all the guys in that meeting, that was, it was a clogging up of gifts that couldn't find expression. I'm thinking back now, it's about 10 years later, almost every person in that room is at this moment in, in different towns leading congregations. And if that joining wouldn't have come, it will still have been a small pond with big fishes frustrated with one another. And it's something that the apostolic does when it comes into an area that it, it pops, it opens up graces, it, 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 it opens up destiny. I understand my, I hope, it's, it's my battle. I, I, I try to understand my grace. I understand as being part of an eldership team here that as elders of this house, we've got a specific grace, Right? We've got a grace for this house that some of you don't have. While we are elders, there's a certain grace to do certain things in this house. And God will see and show us certain things that he might not necessarily to everybody here. But I also understand that there's an apostolic grace on some men. When they come in the house, they carry a grace that I don't have. There's certain things that they come into the room. There's certain things when they get connected with you that they can pop open that, that me and the elders can't. And so as essential it was for, for local eldership in the early church, there was something needed of, of the apostolic to really open up the church to more, right? Now, the reason why I say much of this is for the early church, they would understand the need of, of the apostolic. Can you imagine? Look, look, there's a few things about the Corinthian church that blows my mind. If I had the moment to sit for five seconds at the feet of Paul, I would have flipped and grabbed it with everything. I would have traveled half the world just for five seconds with Paul. And some of these guys were kind of confused by these, these guys that was just coming around, and they would go like, Paul, you're boring. I'm like, 2,000 years later, bro, you made a wrong call there. Right? <laughs> but can you imagine in the early church, 
if Paul and Apollos comes to town, <laughs> and as the church that understand that these are fathers, they can, they can offer something to us in God because of our joining and because we build together. It is not just Bill Johnson has come to Cape Town. It is not just Francis Chan coming to Cape Town. We're going to go to their events, and we're going to be greatly blessed, and it's going to be awesome. But it's something different where God has joined us together for those that are bold in our midst, right? And so as we are a people that value not only blessing, but we are a people that value being bold together as the way to truly be fruitful. I want to just again, from my side, from, from, from representing the elders of this congregation, just ask us again that the way that we open our hearts to the apostolic, thank you, my baby, I must come closer, to the apostolic, uh, um, that we will receive the gift of what it is so that we can receive the reward of the gift. Um, and like this is, one, this is one instance now of, look, I, I know uh, Andrew, for instance, has kicked against the idea of a conference, just the conference idea, the name conference has such a connection that we try and get away from it. But at the end, the name is a conference. But the point of it is, the point of it is, that is, there's opportunities that we could, we could sit and we can learn and we could be, I mean, I'm saying now, very Christianese, recalibrated and all those type of things. But we can, we can uh, um, find apostolic grace. We can find apostolic input, right? So, for those of you, and I'm, I'm making it practical, for those of you that can in any way, right? And so can in any way as different measures, you know? I can't because I'm working. Can be, I, well, you can take leave. I mean, where, where is our line of I can, I can make sacrifice and I can make effort? But I want to I say this. Make every sacrifice, make every effort to be there. I, uh, um, just before we went to sabbatical, I, I spoke, I think I spoke to the elders, but I spoke to the leaders as well, and I said, I felt like, I'm speaking to Stellenbosch congregation now, this is me speaking here, I felt like for Stellenbosch congregation, there was a time that we were a little bit isolated, and I felt like I had to repent for, for not opening enough for outside apostolic input, right? So part of what I'm trying to do today as well is to say to you guys, as a, as a people, our lives cannot be as small as just around our little thing on a Sunday, right? And that we should open ourselves up. Um, we are blessed by the graces that God has given us in this movement, right? So, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm finding now a nice way to land it. It's not working here, all right? So... Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, I thank you that, that you have joined us together uh, for a specific purpose and for a specific task, Jesus. <laughs> Father, we want to give ourselves not only, Father, for, for the destiny that you have given to us individually. Father, what is the, what is the blessing that we can pull out of this, Father, but we want to be a people that lay ourselves together down for the us, for what you have called us together. Father, I thank you that you have built and knitted hearts together, Jesus. Um, Jesus, and I pray that whatever, whatever you have given us, Jesus, to, to fulfill and walk that out, Lord Jesus, that you will find a spirit of, of humility and a spirit to receive and spurred open to what you want us to do. We praise you, we honor you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, guys, the Bayanaka Karel, thank you for coming. Um, please visit us, don't, don't just leave. Join us for a coffee, um, catch up with people, get to know people, and the rest of the, the day have a lack of time, guys. Bless you guys. Uh, guys, guys, what time is that leaders meeting? Just a quick one before you guys go. Um, there's a leaders meeting. What time? For the leaders at 5 o'clock here.
Okay, so please don't, rem don't, don't forget. Our praises to our loving God. In.